What is up, everybody? This is the Wild Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Heskett, and this is episode 21. Training 101, so setting up your workout. So I've been doing a lot of interviews lately with a lot of cool people, but this one's going to be more of an educational one because the Unapologetic Fridays are more mindset-related. This is going to be a quick, practical way to start implementing some training stuff, um, how to write programs, et into your daily life. So you're designing your own workouts or you're not sure if the workout some influencer gave you is actually going to be super effective. So this is going to be a basic overview. This is going to give most people the results that they mostly want. So there's no one best way to train. I've tried many different training styles over the years, high volume, low volume, um, a big fan of mountain dog style, done 531. I've done Paul Carter's program, West Side Conjugate. I've done a lot of shit over the years. And so this is going to be what I've used mostly with clientele to get people who are 30 and over, 30, 40, 50, the results they want, feel good, move well. And if you that's going to get you to that intermediate level. So once you're like trying to go from intermediate to advanced, which is beyond like the two year mark of consistent training and consistently trying to improve your strength, then you'll need something a little bit more advanced, but you probably already know once you've reached that point, you're probably like, I want to go chase powerlifting, CrossFit. I'm going to become a runner. I'm going to do bodybuilding. You kind of chase your, you go down these different avenues. I'm going to get into martial arts. You kind of naturally go down that. So if you're sitting here listening and you're like, I don't know what I would do, like, cool. You might just stick with the same thing because you just like that and you just like being in shape or you might start chasing. Um, I've had clients leave like, hey, I'm going to go do strongman. Cool. I'm not a strongman coach. Go do strongman with a strongman coach to train you. We've gotten you the basics. Now it's time for you to graduate and go and do your own thing. So first of all, when we're trying to create programs, for most people, you want to lose weight, you want to feel good, you want to look good naked, you want to be able to take your shirt off at the beach, you want to uh, either be shirtless or wear a two-piece bathing suit, and you want some muscle mass so you're functional in real world. So get away from thinking about muscle groups. Bodybuilding has really promoted this idea because a lot of people started with more like that bodybuilding style of bicep exercise, quad exercise back exercise. We want to get away from that and look at more movements. There's nothing wrong with bicep, like muscle group exercises when we're looking at bodybuilders or if we're looking at some isolation movements, which we'll talk about later on. But for you, you want to look at movements and we can break this down into the different basic human movement patterns. So let's go over the movement patterns. So we're going to have horizontal push and pull. So um, if you're listening, this is going to be pressing or pulling something overhead. So horizontal, uh, sorry, vertical. Did I say vertical or horizontal? Let's start with vertical. This is how my brain works. So vertical pressing or pulling. 
vertical press, shoulder press, overhead press, whichever you want to call it. Seated, standing, doesn't matter. You are pressing something overhead. If your shoulders don't like straight up overhead, you do an angle or you do like a landmine overhead press uh, where it's a little bit more angled or a high inclined dumbbell bench press or barbell bench press. So that's going to be your push. So you're pushing something away from you. Then you have the same thing with pulling. So this is going to be pull-ups, chin-ups, lat pull-down, and all the variations of lat pull-down, and pull-overs as well. So the, those are going to be something where the weight's above, and you're either pulling your your the weight down toward, to you, or body weight exercise, you're going to be pulling yourself up over an object, um, a bar, like pull-ups. So that's going to be your vertical. So that's there's two of the basic movement patterns. Then we have horizontal. So horizontal push, horizontal pull, push, pushing. You're pushing something away from your body. So push-ups, bench press, um, machine bench pressing, cable uh, punches, whatever it, you want to pick there, you have a horizontal press there. Then you have a horizontal pull. That's going to be all the different like rowing variations. All right. Awesome. Then we get to the lower body. So the lower body, there's really only two. You have knee dominant and you have hip dominant. And we'll get into um, the more nuanced things later on. But you have knee dominant, which is going to be what you would think of mostly quad exercises, squats, step-ups, lunges. Then you have hip dominant exercises, deadlifts, RDL, stiff leg deadlifts, hip thrust, glute bridges. All right, that's it. Leg press goes into knee dominant and hack squats as well. Good mornings go into hip dominant. So that's it. That's six of the basic, basic, basic movement patterns. Then we get um, two others I like to add in are weighted carries. So farmer carry, suitcase carry, um, crosswalk carry, goblet carry, et cetera. Um, these are going to be um, really great core movements, great for grip strength, great for um, your hip and ankle strength, really good movements that everybody should be doing. I don't do them up enough. Um, I've been adding them in a little bit more, but it's tough in my home gym to do these, but you can also do marches in place if you don't have an area to walk, which is great because a lot of people don't get their knees up and that helps train the, the core and the hip flexors. And then you have your core movements and a lot of people think abs and the core movements can be broken down into a whole variety of things. So where I start most people off with core, and core has its own thing here, but it's anti-flexion is usually where I start them off. And then you have like anti-lateral flexion, anti-rotation exercises. It's a lot of anti-stuff. So anti-extension exercises are going to be like planks. So you're keeping your body from extending. So think of... Um, or anti-flexion, anti-extension. So think of flexion as like doing crunches. We don't really want to do that. Like you can do a little bit, but we don't want to do a ton. Most people do way too much of that. You want to do more planks and then plank variations. If planks are easy, guess what? There's a thousand different variations. Plank shoulder taps, plank leg lifts. Um, you can do uh, stability ball uh, circles, stir the pots with your elbows or the ABCs, right? That, that's pretty tough. You have anti-lateral flexion, which is going to be like um, side planks and anti-rotation. That's going to be your payoff press. 
Um, and then there's variations there. Uh, there's chops and different things there. Um, and then there's a few other variations, um, dead bugs and anti-flexion, anti-extension. I'm getting them mixed up and I didn't put any notes in front of my head, but dead bugs and bird dogs also go in there as great core movements. Notice I didn't say really crunches at all because they're kind of shitty. Um, so you want to do mostly all that other stuff first before you're doing the other core movements. Again, that's going to help your core stabilize the heavier weights when you get to them. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other benefits for another time. Right now, we're just talking about programming to get you started. If you want to email me and ask me about specific questions, go for it. Um, email me, send me a DM. All right, so there's the, the basics. So how do we actually structure a program? All right, if you're a core person, you're going to fucking hate me because one to two core exercises per session. I like to start most people off with total body workouts. I just FYI, I fucking hate total body workouts. I don't do well with them, but total body workouts three times a week is really, really good. It's higher frequency. And for someone who's not taking steroids, higher frequency tends to be better. That just means you're hitting a movement pattern or a muscle group multiple times per week, rather than like chest day, back day, leg day. For more advanced people, that can work because you're going to cause a lot of damage with those heavier weights and intensity for someone starting out. Um, you want to build the skill of doing a lift. Um, I'll get to that in a second. So higher frequency, or if you really hate, so you're not quite a beginner, you're more that intermediate. I prefer um, like upper lower splits. Um, that's what I'm going to be switching back to come summer after my weight loss phase here in the winter. So spring and summer, once I hit my, my weight loss goal, um, upper lower splits are what I like there. So it's like, you're going to hit, what would be like chest and back one day, lower body, and then you just have main lifts. So we'll get to that in a second. So um, you break that up and then you put one movement for each of those movement patterns. So I gave you eight movement patterns. So you're going to pick one movement and you're just going to plug those in and there's your eight lifts for the day. And you can do less. You could do less. Um, you don't have to do, um, I don't really like doing um, overhead work. So if an uh, easier way to do it and make it shorter would be to, for three days a week, you get, you're going to do two days of horizontal pushing and pulling and only one day a week of vertical pushing and pulling. So Monday, Friday are horizontal. Wednesday is going to be vertical. Cool. That's your program. Pick an exercise for them. I gave you a list earlier um, and you can Google it really, really quick. And then for the lower body, you're going to do the same thing. And then you have your weighted carry and you have your core movement. You're going to pick one to two core exercises, not a thousand. Do one to two really fucking well and make them really challenging. You won't need more. Your abs aren't fucking special compared to the other muscles in your body. Stimulate them if you're doing hundreds of reps with them, you're not going heavy enough. It'd be like trying to do bicep curls with one pound weights. It's a waste of fucking time. Do a little bit and go for it. Now, some people bring up in my past, we used to do it. This is with uh, group training, like higher rep ab stuff. Sometimes you got to give the client what they like for them to be consistent. So people would come and complain like, we're not doing enough abs. So we would give it to them just to like, all right, we're going to do five minutes of abs out of the hour we're working together just to like get people to make them happy. But the other 55 minutes, like we're hitting shit hard. So just FYI for, if you're like, wait, my 
my coach does this. I go to the gym you used to work out and they still do that. Yeah, we, we know we, we work that in there. We know what you, clients want. They want to feel like they work their core. We know it's a waste of time, but trying to tell you that it's sometimes like butting heads. So it's like, Hmm, let's do this. Let's give them just a little tiny bit of what they want. They're like, oh, I had a great ab workout. It's like, really? That's not really what you did. And we can spend the time educating you over a period of time. You're happy instead of being frustrated and you're more likely to learn. And then you realize one day, oh shit, you're just doing that because we like it. Okay. And then we were spending 55 minutes doing shit that you need to do. So that being said, that the rep range that I set for, for beginners and most intermediates, you're going to do eight to 12 reps, that happy middle ground. You can go a little bit lower, a little bit higher. Um, you could extend it to six to 15 reps, but eight to 12 is, the, is that sweet spot. And it's easy for progression. It's heavy enough to get strength gains, light enough that you're not really risking injury um, too much. You're going to get a little bit sore, but you're not going to overdo it like 20 reps. So it's a happy middle ground where you're going to get most of the results you want. So you pick a weight for eight reps. You continue to use that weight till you get 12 reps. And then you go back down to eight reps that you could do eight to 15. If you wanted, you could do six to 10, six to 12. You can do that. Um, so basically once you hit 12 reps or you can do more than 12 reps, you just increase the weight the next week and you do that forever. I'm still doing that right now. I've been lifting for like 17 years. I've gone back to it. It gets you great results. You, it forces you to beat each week because one week you're going to like eke out just like 11 reps and you're like, fuck, that sucked. And like Next week and next week comes in, you're like 11, you're like debating, you're like, fuck it, I'm going for it. I'm going to eke out 12. So next week I know I can increase the weight five or 10 pounds, but just do eight reps because 12 reps sucks. And that's where you get those changes in your body because you're forcing yourself to constantly improve, but it's not super heavy. It's not like three reps. Like I love three reps, but it's very taxing on your body and very heavy. So it beats up your joints. So if you're doing that all the time, you're not going to see those constant little improvements. Um, but yeah, I do. If I had to get give a rep range, three reps is my favorite favorite rep range for literally anything. Um, which is why I, I liked training for powerlifting, even though I never competed in it. Um, so that's the basics of things being established. Now, I said about some isolation movements, so there's some more nuance here. So when it comes to the lower body, we want to break things up into single leg movements versus double leg. So bilateral versus unilateral movements. What that looks like is, Squats are going to be bilateral, so both legs working, and then we want to do unilateral. So we want to do lunges, step-ups, single leg, leg presses, things like that. Same thing goes with your hip movements. You can do hip thrust or single leg hip thrust. You can do um, RDLs or you can do single leg or split stance RDLs. So we want to split up a little bit as we can. So I gave you three times a week. So if you do the way I used to break it up for clients and still do to this day a lot of times is you do a bilateral knee dominant movement. You're squatting. You're going to do a single leg hip dominant movement that day, single leg RDL. Okay, next time it's going to be deadlifts. 
and then you're going to do lunges. And it's an easy way because um, those heavier lifts are taxing. And sometimes it takes warm up or set up. Like if you're setting up a barbell, that takes up a ton of time, or you could just have this be a very easy way. So it's an easy way to break things up and you strengthen both sides evenly when you do unilateral. Yes, I know it sucks. I hate that too. I despise unilateral leg work, but it's very important because it helps you strengthen imbalances from left to right. Because if you're just squatting all the time, you're going to have one side that's more dominant than the other. And over time, you're going to get an imbalance and then that can lead to injury. Um, if not injury, just pain and discomfort. So you need to do the lunges and other things to actually develop things evenly. And you cannot also extend that to your upper body. So single arm rows are super common, but you don't see a single arm, a lot of single arm pressing. So single arm bench press, which is basically a core movement, single arm shoulder press, single arm floor press. You could do single arm pushups, but most people aren't going to be doing that. So you can break it up that way. If you're doing an upper lower split, again, same thing. Like you can do, I always do at least one single arm pressing movement, one single arm rowing movement, and then lots of unilateral movements. So what exercise comes first? The first exercise you pick in a program is going to be the one you're strongest in. So I like to do like the big three. So you kind of have a squat day, a deadlift day, a bench day. There's your big three. The big three comes from powerlifting. That's what they compete in. So I like to do it that way. So those are going to be your main lifts. And those are the lifts a lot of people like to compare themselves to. You, you can use lots of weight. You can see progress, especially as a beginner or intermediate, week to week or month to month. They're great lifts to really focus on. So that can be the first thing after you warm up that you do. You're going to be freshest. You're going to have the most energy for that. And then you go down the line with everything else. It could be other things. Maybe it's pull-ups instead of bench press and bench presses later on. Um, maybe it's leg press, like squatting really bothers you or bothers your back. You need a leg press or instead of uh, deadlifts, it's a hip thrust or it's an RDL right now. I'm not deadlifting because we don't have enough weight. So I'm just doing RDLs instead. So that's going to be a, an example of how you do it. You want to pick some main movements they can do lunges, generally not as good, but you can do those as a main lift as well. But you want to pick something that one, you can see, you can use a significant amount of weight, like the big three, you can do for a long period of time as well. Like we wouldn't pick bicep curls because you're going to fuck up your elbow joints. Pull-ups can work there. And if you do like a upper lower split, you can do overhead press, push press, um, but upper lower split, you get, again, usually it's squat, deadlift, and then Eat bench press on one day, and then you have an option of either a type of row, bend over row, penalty row, or a pull up, or you can do another pressing variation. A lot of people like, like myself prefer pressing. So hopefully that didn't confuse you. Again, if you have any questions on this, message me. But you just pick one thing for each day and you just stick with that basically forever. And these are called indicator exercises. So what I like after your done your newbie phase, you're done being a beginner. These will tell you whether you're making strength progress or not, because the other lifts are called accessory lifts. They're designed to help you get stronger and work out imbalances. So if you're making progress with your indicator exercises, generally you're getting stronger and the uh, program's working. 
if you're not getting stronger with those, the program's not working. It's a great way. That's why it's called indicator of month to month seeing like, did I improve in squat bench deadlift? I only improved in squat and bench. I didn't do deadlift. What's that? Well, maybe it was end of the week. So maybe you need to change up and deadlifts the beginning of the week and squats end of the week, or maybe you just didn't improve what's going on. If that's where recording and it starts to get more advanced. What's your weak area? You can't pull it off the floor. You can't lock it out. What's going on there. Let's hammer those weaknesses. We picked the wrong accessory movements to strengthen that. We have a weak area to improve on. Let's hammer it this next month. So right now I'm struggling with um, lockout on my bench. That's my weak area. I've been slacking on triceps and that's what's involved in bench uh, tricep work. So my accessory movement went from a um, incline bench press to a floor press, which is a little bit more tricep dominant. That's again, this is, this is going pushing inter, more like intermediate stuff. So, but I expect beginners and intermediates to be listening to this, not necessarily super advanced people, super advanced people. If you want me to do an episode, I can, um, but generally that's not the clients I work with. And then, um, as I said earlier, you can also pick a way to carry. You should do a way to carry with each of the days, um, or at least some of the days. Um, so that that's a really good way to constantly begin core strength. Suitcase carry is amazing core exercise. Gala carry can be amazing core exercise. Um, and they're great for cardio as well. And they can be very taxing or not depending on the weight you take. Like farmer carry is going to be more taxing than say like a goblet carry, but they're great functional core movements. So that's the basics when we're trying to design a program of how you're going to do it. You're going to basically take your basic movement patterns, plug one exercise in for each of them. Your exercises should range from um, anywhere between five to 10 for the day and to fill in some of the other gaps. So isolation movements, and then we'll talk athletic movements. Isolation movements are going to be um, bicep curls, lateral raises, pec flies, things like that, leg curls, leg extensions. So they all have their place. Like I re I encourage everyone to do leg curls if you have access to a machine and you have the strength to do it, or you have the strength to do it like um, with sliders on the floor, which is more advanced or on a uh, physio ball, yoga ball, Swiss ball, whatever you want to call it. Leg curls are really, really good. So you want to do leg curls, um, arm movements. Everybody likes to do arms. So they're great. And then shoulder ones are good too. One for shoulder health, um, especially reverse flies, face pulls and band pull aparts. They're great for keeping our shoulders and upper back super healthy, making sure, um, our posture is really good, but lateral raises as well. So there's a time and place, but you only need to do like one to two exercises per week for each of those. Like bicep curls, one to two sets um, per week, eh, maybe a little bit more than that, but you only need to do like, say twice a week, bicep curls. That's it. Couple sets, nothing crazy. Um, and then same thing with all the other isolations. And then for those of you who are more um, intermediate level, incorporating athletic movements, explosive movements, med ball slams, they, they 
you can apply this to a beginner, but if you're just starting out and you don't have a coach, you might want to hold off. Um, but athletic movements, med ball slams, wall balls, kettlebell swings, kettlebell cleans, regular barbell Olympic lifting, jumps, plyometrics, um, plyo pushups, those kind of movements should start to be incorporated. Um, that would be uh, like the first thing you do. They're not taxing. The point isn't to tire yourself out. It's to build explosive power. So a lot of times I would combine that with a core movement. So you might do like a med ball slam and core movement, and then you would move on to your main lift of the day, say squat, bench, deadlift. That's more intermediate level, unless you have a coach who can program that for you with the appropriate exercises your body can do. That being said, med balls are usually pretty safe for most people unless you have shoulder issues, in which case getting something overhead might be a problem. And you can see why like throwing, doing anything explosive, if you are a beginner has risks. So I'm just putting that caveat right there. All right. And how many sets should you do? Beginners should do three to four sets of an exercise. So eight to 12 reps, three to four sets and your skill building early on. So I said that earlier, I sometimes like to think of things like an RPG game. This is going to show my nerdy. So if you don't know what RPG means, you're not a huge nerd, but role-playing game. So in that role-playing games, you tend to like level up and gain new skills or magic or whatever the fuck you want. Um, so the, I tend to kind of like to think of things along that route because that's, I played a ton of RPG or RPG style games growing up. So when you are learning to squat, you're learning to deadlift. The first time you do it, it's not going to be perfect. Everyone's like, I'm worried about form. Guess what? You haven't done it for years. It's not going to be perfect. Just accept that fact. Your body's going to start to develop the nervous system. And this is part of the newbie gains where you gain strength super quick. Newbie gains come a lot from the nervous system, not from like new muscle. You will put on muscle faster than the intermediate, in, intermediate or... Um, advanced person, and you can put on muscle mass, even in a calorie deficit, if you're brand new, once you're intermediate, sorry, you're probably not going to anymore, but you're building a skill and skills take reps. It takes about 10,000. So the 10,000 rule, 10,000 hours to master a skill takes about 10,000 reps, good quality reps to master a lift. So the more you can do, if you do three, you know, if you only went in and did one rep or one set of 10 for squats, that's 10 reps. If you did three sets of 10, that's going to be 30 reps. Okay. Does sound super big, but now expand that out for a month. So say it's four weeks. So 40 reps for the person a just doing one set of 10 or what's three times so 120 reps, 40 reps versus 120. Okay, big difference. Now let's expand that out over um, 10 months. We just have the zero. So 40 reps for one month. Now it's 400 reps or 120, 1,200 reps. Who do you think is doing better? Person, it's the, per, person B doing 1,200 reps versus just 400 reps over 10 months. Hopefully that makes sense. So you want to get quote unquote, get your reps in literally here. You want to get your reps in. So you master these skills early on. Once you become more intermediate, you can start increasing the intensity to where 
really you only need four building muscle and possibly improving strength to a point um, as an intermediate one to two sets to failure. Now that might mean going in and doing it one to two warm up sets and then one to two sets to failure of that 8 12 8 method I told you about, or six to 10, 10 to 15, whatever it is. Consistently doing that and trying to in, increase reps or increase weight. So at an intermediate level, trying to go to failure, a beginner, your nervous system hasn't um, adapted enough to be able to push that hard. You need to strength, like have the nervous system adapt and get stronger and be able to recruit more muscle fibers to get to that level. Um, this is where like, I've seen like one person's able to push through where another one similar like strength levels, but they can't push through those last couple reps. Their body just gives out their nervous system hasn't developed enough. And people always think muscles when it comes to lifting the nervous systems very much involved. So beginners, you get the reps in intermediates. We're going to start switching over to failure and that's going to go really well for a while until you kind of pick your path. In which case don't do failure with like explosive movements. Um, once you, if you decide to go down more athletic performance, strength-based phases, going to failure with everything's going to be bad. It'll burn yourself out. It'll just totally wreck your nervous system at higher levels. There's going to be times for like, we're just going to go 90%, three reps. You should feel like you have one to two in the tank. Cool. We're going to do that. But 90% for that person might be 400 pounds for one to two reps at an advanced level, whereas it's 40 pounds for the beginner. See the difference? 400 pounds has a much bigger tax on the body than 40 pounds does. If you don't realize that, just go from like 10 pounds to 40 pounds. You're like 10 pounds, like your arms can kind of hold it. It might still tire you out if you're a beginner, but once you go to 40, you're like, oh shit, I actually have to dial in my form. I have to brace more. Then you go like, Let's go 150 pounds. Holy shit. Now it's way heavier. 400 pounds. Holy shit. That's way heavier. There's more compression on the joints. It takes more out of you. So that's advanced level, intermediate advanced when you're starting in that gray zone. And that's where you're kind of kind of deviate and start going in whatever direction you want to take your fitness, your fitness journey. Um, that's where if you're just sticking with like, general health, bodybuilding, um, muscle building, just going to failure with most things is fine. Um, or having a strength-based movement and then everything else being to failure. That's usually what I do. It's just simple. It's effective. Um, it's really tough to do it that way, but you get things done because instead of doing four or five sets of something to like sort of failure, you need to rest three minutes between each set, which rest will be the last thing I talk about before we're done. You, you just do one to two sets to absolute failure, write it down, rest, next exercise. One to two sets, absolute failure, rest, next exercise. Each week, if you hit your 12 rep mark, you increase the weight or whatever you set. So last thing, rest periods are important. We're in the, the era of hit workouts and people think so. This was super frustrating seeing what at the gym I worked at before where we would put 
like prescribed rest sets with some of our hit workouts because we want people to go a higher intensity and then people would start doing like jumping jacks and shit like no you can do jumping jacks if the weight's not heavy enough go pick a heavier weight and they were instructed to pick a heavier weight and um they were given but they still thought and then the reason for rest is your body accumulates nasty things like lactic acid and other metabolic byproducts when you're going at high intensity levels at low intensity where it's like aerobic exercise your body can flush those things out at roughly the same rate as they're built up once you go higher intensity anaerobic without oxygen is what that means those things those things build up we all know the burn well that's building up that takes time for those things to get flushed out takes time for your body to recover for oxygen to get back in because it can anaerobic without oxygen you're being de- those muscle cells are being deprived of oxygen they're using it up faster than is being delivered those high threshold motor units the biggest muscle fibers they're better at using carbs and you being anaerobic um, but they still build up those byproducts so the rest periods are there for a reason you need between 60 seconds and three minutes of rest period. If you're doing regular weightlifting, 60 seconds to three minutes is what you need. And that can seem like a really long time. But if you go to absolute failure, like you really push yourself, three minutes goes by in a blink of an eye before you're like, fuck, I have to do my next set. Uh, Jesus Christ. Or you're like, oh God, I have to go and do this exercise next and do the same thing. So if you actually push yourself, it's not that long. You're actually really exhausted doing that. Um, this comes down to work rest ratios and people don't get that. They just think like, I just have to keep moving, moving, moving. What happens is you can't keep the same performance level at that. Those higher intensity levels, you need the rest. There's a work rest ratio you need. And it's at least at minimum one to two, one being work. So easy example, 30 seconds of work, 60 seconds rest one to two, but generally you need more like one to four, one to 10. So like if you're doing pure strength, you might need more like a one to 10. It might take you 15 seconds to do a lift, one lift, and you might need five minutes rest to fully recover from that. People are like, what? Yes. You might need that long to fully recover cover from that. You're not going to be out of breath and dripping sweat, but what's happening in the cells takes that long. What's happening with your nervous system and things building back up, take that long. So it, it's not to say like it, those other workouts aren't there, but your performance, if you're actually doing things at a high level with like, say a hit workout, you're building up these metabolites and your performance is decreasing. So you're getting a less effective workout than how it was designed. So don't get frustrated when you don't see results. The coach is designing the workouts in a certain way to get a certain result. For example, that workout, you're supposed to pick a really fucking heavy weight. I believe it was something like 30 seconds. Like you're going to crush yourself for 30 seconds. We're going to rest. I think it was rest for 30. Like it was a one-to-one. So still it was not complete recovery, but you're going to crush yourself for 30 seconds. We rest for 30 seconds. They're in there doing like a couple people doing jumping jacks. It's like, despite what the coach would say, like, please don't do that. Like, then guess what? 
their workout was they were going less and less intense throughout that workout. Therefore, they were not getting the stimulus provided because jumping jacks, like doing that shit doesn't actually really benefit you at all. It's a waste of fucking time. Not saying jumping jacks are necessarily a bad exercise, but in, in that program design, they ruined the workout. Like they did, they got a little bit of benefit when they could have gotten a lot of benefit. So hopefully that helps you with workout design. This is, you know, literally there's courses built out on program design. So this is designed more for beginners to intermediates. If you're a beginner, ignore the shit I said about intermediates. So you might need to re-listen to this intermediates. You can take some stuff I said about beginners, but also listen to what I said about intermediates. What defines the two? There's no like one set standard and we can do cardio at a different time. We just talked about strength training, but most of your results will be from strength training. So we're just going to focus on that for now. You should start. So where, where should, where's the line? So a lot of times it's time. So at least one year of consistent strength training will put you about intermediate. So one year. So before that, you're kind of a newbie, um, but we can go off of strength. So for strength, men, you're going to bench your body weight. Um, so intermediate level, bench your body weight 1.5 times your weight for squat and two times your weight for deadlift women. It's like half your body weight for bench 0.75. No, I think it's body weight for squat and one point. Yeah. Like 0.5 or 0.75 for bench press one, your body weight for a squat. And this is a one rep max, by the way. And then a 1.5 times your body weight for deadlift for one rep max or estimated one rep max. So a lot of people um, will, I'll say that. And they're like, what? I have to do that for 10 reps. No, for one rep and you can use a calculator. And if you do 10 reps, you'll plug it in. I did 150 pounds times 10. It'll give you a estimated one rep max of your, the most you could lift for a one rep is about this. So you can plug that info in. Obviously there's variation. Someone who's built like a rock climber is going to be able to, is, their, their lifts are going to be lower because they're like a smaller person. It's going to be harder for them, um, but they might match those numbers. Um, their total number might be smaller, but they might reach those numbers faster than someone who's larger. So think like a strongman athlete where if they're just like lean at three and 300 pounds. It's going to be harder for them just because of total weight. So there is variation. So there, that's why it's no hard thing. We can use the time of consistently, but we want to chase progress. At some point though, it's going to be become where you just know with the basics, you're getting too burnt out or you're not seeing results at that point. As long as everything checks out, your recovery, your nutrition and things, it's kind of the time like, all right, let's transition you more to intermediate. It's more of a transition than like, congratulations, you have graduated to the next level. Things now get more complicated. Same thing with advanced. Like, congratulations, intermediate. You have graduated and things get more complicated. It's more of a transition over time. Like, uh, no, like you reach these numbers. You've been lifting this long. You're probably in at this, this level. Anyways, 
Thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions about any of the stuff I talked about today, please message me or reach out on any of the social media platforms. Down below in the show notes, you will see where you can reach me. Um, so I'm on Instagram and TikTok at, at Chris underscore PWC. You can join my Facebook community, which is Wild Nutrition Secrets for Women. And if you want someone to write your workouts, you need help with that. There is the application to sign up to become a client and work with me and my team down below as well. Thank you for tuning in. Again, if you have any questions, please reach out.